windows. The Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. These Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys. Hunter Muscaro, Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nothing spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bello. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Bowl game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos in the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Jay Sandos, Mike Gallagher, another edition Sandos in the sidekick hump day. It's Wednesday. We're talking a little ETSU women's basketball versus Liberty from last night. We'll talk to Landon Owens of Lando's Land. We'll also, mystery guest makes a reemergence. Are you going to give us a hint on that? And then we'll talk to Trey on his Trey bite bucks, bits, whatever. No hint on the mystery guest. We did have a mystery guest last week, too. We're starting to get big names in media. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a gigantic task to do so, but I think that this week and then also next week, because I have something lined up for tomorrow that we'll talk about uh, with the man that is going to join us uh, for uh, about 15 or so minutes, and that's exactly what this guest did today, too. But uh, I'll, I'll save it. For the middle of the show, not that there's any points. It's a podcast. I'm going to put it on Twitter anyway. But for those that don't go on Twitter and see the spoiler, that is the tweet, uh, I'm going to save it and keep it to myself. Okay. I like to be exclusive. I like to be uh, I'm selfish is the point. Sure. Segment. Sure. That's okay. All right. So big name media guest, not name me, is going to be on the show. Uh, on what is, that, is that what you're saying? No. <laughs> he's, he's, that got, he's got about 182 times the amount of Twitter followers that you do. Right around 80,000. Yeah, I just started, okay. like, last week. so that's. Yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. That's funny, because I think you've had one since I've been here, which is well, about 18 months. Oh, okay, okay. okay. All right, and I think Parker made mine anyway. Uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't so, doubt that. So there you go. So <laughs> I, I'm not very good at that. But let's talk a little while, uh, uh, as we're going to stack the show. Uh, again, we'll have Lando's Land next segment, the mystery guest, the third segment. Trey will join us for the – the is that a mystery bag of sorts on Wednesday, sticking with the mystery guest, mystery bag? I don't mystery know what. Mystery bag? Because okay, there's no yeah. real um, – a grab bag, I think is what you're looking okay, for. Okay, yeah. we'll go with that. Uh, it could be a mystery bag. I'm always confused on what it's going to be. I don't know where he's going to go. I, I mean, is he going to go FBS and whine and cry about Notre Dame? Probably. Is he going to talk FCS playoffs? Is he, is he just going to ask you? <laughs> he goes. Is he just going to turn my mic off and, and just talk and not let me talk? I mean, there's Hopefully. many things he yeah. could do there. So, versus Liberty, oh. and really the, the second, third quarter, sort of the, the separator for the Flames. Yeah, I mean, they outscored ETS 31 points in a quarter is a lot of points. I mean, if you break that out over 40 minutes, that's 124 points. They outscored ETSU 31 to 21 and then 27 to 22 in the third. Uh, I don't want to break down offense anymore. I was telling you off air. I mean, offensively, ETSU was fine, especially over the last four games. They've scored 74, 95, 77 in the last night. 86 in an 89 to 86 loss to Liberty, who's now two and six. ETSU now one and ten. 
I do love the fact that we're putting up points. I mean, it's fun to watch. It's fun to call. Obviously, I think you have a lot more fun when you get to call a lot of baskets, a lot of scores, a lot of makes, as opposed to brick after brick. I, I mean, that's just kind of common sense. And for broadcasters, I don't know anyone that likes to call um, a pitcher's duel instead of a you know, 20 run, you know, seven home runs in a game type baseball game. And in basketball, I don't want a 50 to 45 slog. That's ugly. You know, 89-86. It was a very fun game to watch. It was very succinct. It was, it was relatively clean. There were mistakes on each side. You know, 24 turnovers for Liberty and for ETSU. Uh, 18, though, for ETSU. After the first, like, seven minutes, they only had 11 turnovers the rest of the game. A lot of those turnovers were early. Uh, Lexi Spears looked great on the offensive end again. Erica Haynes-Overton really struggled from the field again. She's now seven of her last 30 but late she hit three of her last six shots and the ball ended up in her hands as time was winding down and something I've ever seen and tell me if you've seen this out of a timeout it's 88 to 84 17 seconds left Liberty has the lead they have the ball in front of their own bench and I'm thinking well okay this game is probably we, we're gonna need a miracle at this point you know they have the ball up four it's already a two possession game uh, they're probably gonna inbound they're going to go to the line they're gonna hit one of two or two of two it's still gonna be a two possession game and there's just not a lot of time left they come out of the timeout. Out of a timeout, keep in mind, mm-hmm. six on the floor. Ooh. Five in a stack out by the free throw <laughs> line plus the inbounder. And Kerry Green has been doing this for 20 years as the head coach of Liberty, and this is his 40th year of coaching. Something in that situation that I have never seen in my life, a completely inconscionable mistake. I have seen the sixth player on the floor maybe twice. Never in I'm a timeout late in the game. No, oh. no, 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 not late in the game. That's oh. what, that's what I was gonna say. I've oh. seen it twice, and I'm one of them was the tournament we played at South Florida my very first year, and it was early in the game, and it was also one to start a half, which also is confusing because well, uh, you, you've been in the locker room. Do you say, "Hey, starting five, you're back out there," or do you say, "Hey, no, Joe, you're in for Bobby or or whatever"? Right. So. To start a half, like like coming out of the timeout of the first half, I'm like, okay, maybe somebody didn't realize. Because normally when you get a timeout right in your – now, if you're standing up in a 30-second, maybe there's not. But if it's coming out of the media, you know, they sit down and there's five people sitting down. So you should know if you're sitting down, you're in the game. In a 30-second, I get it. Like, hey, run, check in, don't check in, whatever. Maybe somebody didn't communicate. You could kind of see it. But still, you would think as an assistant coach or somebody – as they're walking out on the floor and go, whoa, 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 Sally, what are you doing? Sally, back over here. Yeah. Like, you're, you're not in the Count. game or, or something. Count. I mean, you just you just think. And then the bad thing is for the – sometimes the referees will count and say, hey, look, you got six and won't let you throw it in. But by rule, it's not their job to make sure you got five. Like, it's not like football where there's – you know, they have to count to make sure there's 11. Otherwise, if there's 12, there's a penalty and it's not enough. But in, in basketball, it's really not. And the other thing is if you have four – which I've seen one other time, you can't run somebody out there immediately. Oh, like wow. they've got to wait till a dead ball <laughs> go to the scores table. So I've seen a technical foul because now that was in a high school game. But the college is the same rule. You can't just run out there. Go, oh, we got four. Let's go. In football, again, you got ten. Somebody can just run out there and be the eleventh person no matter what. Well, in, in football, you're spread out sometimes over because usually you'll see the return man right looking up and you know counting the number of people in front of him. That's I think most often where you see it is where you're on special teams and return man is like, all right, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 9, 10, and then counts himself, that's 11. Now, there there are often, I'd say, in football, uh, 12 men on the field penalties. Uh, sometimes you'll see it when a guy's running off. Usually a lineman runs off and then runs back in. But you're spread out over a number of yards, right? Like on a defensive formation, you're going to have safeties that are 15, 20 yards off the line. On special teams, it'll be you know 40 or 50 yards people are spread out over because you've got the two gunners on a punt, you've got uh, the eight guys at the line, and then you've got one return man. 
there's so much space to be covered where I can see that happening in football a decent amount as it does. But in basketball, I mean, you are at the free throw line, and there are one, two, three, four, and then a fifth. And in front of the bench, there's someone throwing it in. I, I, I could not believe it. We get a technical foul. Carly Litton, who had a fantastic night, maybe the best night of her career as yeah, she, a Buccaneer. She, <laughs> she was flaming against the Flames from outside. Five of eight. She hit five of her first six threes, 17 points, second on the team in scoring Alexis Spears. I mean, she was knocking down everything. And give ETSU credit. I know I didn't, didn't want to talk about offense and, and kind of break down more defense, but uh, Litton was getting worked open by these set plays. Uh, they've got a little curl play where they'll run motion out top. And they I think they run a number of things off of it, it seems like, where the motion will either be to try and get Erica Haynes-Overton free or she's either got, much like a RPO in football, she's got the option to maybe kick him back out to Carly Litton. And it seemed like they tried to get Litton open on the last play, too, and it was just covered up. And so Erica Haynes-Overton had to force up a contested three as time expired, and that did not go down. But uh, point being... Two free throws, make both, 17 seconds left, come down, foul, uh, I believe it was Emily Lytle, and she makes one and two, it's 89-86, and then you have the last play, but boy, ETSU has gifted a chance there. Uh, I open the broadcast by saying in the holiday season, you'll love, you'll love this, so you'll roll your eyes as hard as, as hard as anyone has ever rolled their eyes. In the holiday season, ETSU has been gifted nothing early on against a tough schedule. ETSU gifted for the first time this year, it seemed like a break. They almost were able to take advantage, but well, it's very difficult too. To, I don't think people understand. Usually, when you hit a, a down three, and like, it's one thing if you're down two, so there's still an option of going inside. Sometimes you can go for the win, and you got you got to clean. When you're down three and time's winding down, there is zero people inside the arc. And if somebody's on fire, normally, you know, they, they, they basically Double, say team. yes because the center, and I, I'm assuming Spears went in at the time. She's probably not going to take it. If she does, that's who we want taking it. And if she hits it, more power to her. You know, you start looking at people and you're going, okay, I'm going to let her take it. I'm going to let her take it. We've got these five to guard, these three. And so I don't think people really understand how hard it is. Sometimes these last-second shots for, that you see all the time for not game winners, but but uh, because, again, there's a chance if it's a game winner, there's a chance you could get a two, so you have to play more straight-up defense. But when you see these game-tying shots go to overtime, a lot of times when they're hit, they're not near the three-point line. They're usually 25, 28 feet away, or they are a contested three. Like, there's very rare when you're down three with time winding down that somebody runs some set that they're wide open. Like, it is almost, I don't want to say impossible because it obviously happens somewhere down the line somebody's going to get lost in the plethora of basketball games out there. Majority of the time, though, that's the most difficult thing in the world because, you know, most teams don't have four three-point shooters, five three-point shooters. So you're only going to have two, maybe three, and you probably have two true three-point shooters and maybe one that Tasha can kind of make and Carly Litton for ETSU. So those two are out there. Can Overton hit them? Sure. Is that her forte? No. So so you, you if you just think about it, you're not giving a lot of respect to the screen. You're not the, the off-the-ball action. You are just selling out for that. So I just don't think people understand because it's always popular. Wow, we couldn't get so-and-so a look there at the end. That's tough. Well, how, it's very tough. Yes. Like, you just can't not do that. I think it's akin to the first and goal on the 10 in football. There's not a lot of room to operate, right? A lot of plays in football, you'll try and get a guy open deep, or you'll use you know, the entire field as you can. There's just not a lot of field. It cuts down on the field. You're cut down on options when you're down three with 15 seconds to go. A two, now, could they have gone for the two? Sure. 
It wasn't even something that was crossing my mind as they were coming up the court because it seemed like from the go they were playing for the three. Certainly something they could have done to try and extend the game. See if you go down the other way and uh, Liberty misses another free throw and then it's a two-point game and then your options are opened up and you probably bring in Lexus Spears. I can't remember if she was in or not, but Lexus Spears certainly on the floor then. Uh, again, as we talked about, 8 of 11, uh, 19 points in 24 minutes. She's averaging a point a game over the last three games. So you certainly bring her in, maybe try and work something down low for her. Not a great free throw shooter, so that's the other part of it, is she was 5 of 16 coming into the game for free throws. And last night, you know, did hit a few. Uh, but but regardless of her 3 of 5 performance from the line last night, you know, try and work her free. Erica haynes Overton is trying to attack it. Her to the rim, obviously, uh, athletic, can finish. Um, you, you, Raven Dean, great mid-range shooter. So there, you do have a variety of options. But goodness, just difficult because ETSU on the offensive end is really clicking, but... This year, I mean, teams are shooting 48% against. I think the one thing about Spears, and, and I'll go to the overall point there uh, that you were trying to make, but you look at her numbers, what I like, okay, four offensive rebounds, you've got it there, three block shots, two steals. I mean, there's yeah. five distinct uh, plays that she's affecting on the defensive she's end. She's also taken five charges in the last three I mean, games. So you, and again, she's played a lot of college basketball, right, yeah. as, as a transfer State, coming yep. in. So so, so the, you see some experience there, but I like, and, and I wish, and, and I know she played a different style of basketball at Morgan State, and so the up and down is, is not really her forte, or something she hasn't been uh, done her whole career, so she's having to get into that type of uh, game shape. It's not like she's not in shape, just different style of basketball shape right so i think as she gets along she can change game as you get starters back in and i think that was going to be my next point is having so many different people in there not having your normal starters not having the continuity to work on things that you spent all summer working on in the fall working on and, and different combinations i think part of the problem defensively and probably if you go back and break down some offensive things because if ETSU isn't running and and, and and sort of operating fast, you know, they've had a hard time in offensive sets, I think, in my opinion. And so what the offensive sets and the defense tells me is that they're having a hard time with the players on the floor getting on the same page of if somebody's supposed to rotate over, right? So it's one thing to say, okay, we're, we're going to double-team the ball. Everyone's going to rotate there. But then when you get in scramble mode, is somebody finding somebody else? And sometimes there are a lot of clean looks. And, again, um, I, I didn't. I don't catch the end of last night's game, but I watched the, the first three quarters, and it and it seemed like sometimes in the scramble defense, you know, uh, A would go to B, B to C, but nobody went to D, and then all of a sudden you got a clean look that's able to get shots open. So uh, that's um, what I think is going to be uh, interesting for them. So um, you know, last night was another uh, tough loss. They get a couple days to regroup. And then they head up uh, Sunday up to UNCA. UNC Asheville, which isn't going to be easy either. Uh, they've won four of their last five, but I, I just need to see more in the defensive end. And, and to your point, Tatiana Crowder, someone that starts for Liberty and has for a number of years now, she's averaging like three or four points per game in her career. Uh, a tenacious, hard worker on the defensive end. Every team has to have that person. ETSU uh, has uh, Jada Craig, obviously missing time right now, but she's not someone that's going to necessarily put up huge offensive numbers. She's going right. to facilitate. She's going to work hard on the defensive end. ETSU's missing one of their people that does that right well, now. Mallory sure think about that from the last number of years. She was great, tenacious, great hard worker where she was just out there three, four points a game, but she was going to make life difficult on you on the offensive end. So, again, four did miss. I'm not sure that these four days will be enough time to get Shania Jackson, Jada Craig, Micah Sheets, and Najee Stephanie back. We can hope so because you make a great point. Your personnel is what you have to work with, right? And when you're depleted on a 14-person roster – 
by a third of that, essentially. It's tough to have success. When you're looking at uh, 60% of your starting lineup that you've worked all summer and fall, for the most yeah. part, you know, and I'm sure they try to do a few different combinations, but at some point in time, they became the starters, and they're working with the first team. They're doing all of that, and it goes away, right? And, and you're having to – I think that's a huge reason why the, the defensive struggles have, have happened. And, and if nothing else, it's not that it's been uh, atrocious defense – every single game, the problem is they have 10, 12-minute stretches, right? right? They have a quarter. Yes. You know, like the second quarter yes. last night, they give up 11 to 15. They just yes. have uh, there where, where it's just tough. And, again, in the second quarter, right, you're working in subs for those starters. So it's not even your starters. It's your backup starters. It's your backup backups are now in there. A couple and, people and that's foul trouble, yeah. Exactly. Uh, so you start looking at those, and I think that's why – Maybe some of those fourth quarter, maybe some of that late first half numbers are, are where they are. And of course, if Coach Zell's there, she'd probably yell at us, tell us to shut up. Has nothing to do with it. But that, <laughs> that, you know, again, that's what I see. And being, you know, and I'm not a, a basketball guru, but you know, I've been around the Division One game now for 17 years and seeing. And I, when you see injuries happen, you see people trying to figure out pieces that weren't really fitting into that puzzle to start with. You can see why there are struggles and where it is now. The ultimate question is. When those players come back, can they get back to some sort of continuity and can they right the ship? Non-conference in the scheme of the world for the Southern Conference doesn't matter. Uh, it just doesn't. So they get into January. They start league play. Can they have it all corrected by the time that January rolls around? So, all right, we're late for a break. That's ETSU Liberty Breakdown from last night. When we come back, Landon Owen will join us. Lando's Land right after this time out to hear a word from the Buccaneers Sports Network. Dashing down the street with candles all aflame By car, by horse, by feet Hooray for holiday games Very small and bright A scratchable delight What fun it is to play and give Holiday games tonight Holiday games, holiday games Holiday instant games Oh, what fun they are to play Throughout the holidays Give the gift of holiday instant games Only from the Tennessee Lottery Game-changing fun Please play responsibly Wow, am I happy about my new Wow Rate e-checking account at Citizens Bank. I got a huge rate on my deposit and great account features. With that sort of a deal, I'm saving for much-needed bucks tickets to cheer on my team. Learn more about Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Wow Rate e-checking accounts at CitizensBank24.com. Go Bucks! Bank your own way. Citizens Bank member FDIC. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! Every year, the family counts on you to make the holidays happen, so enjoying them yourself can sometimes be a struggle. Thankfully, Food City's here to help. Convenient services like curbside pickup, fresh-baked goods, in-house butchers, made-to-order deli trays, and more mean less time preparing and more time sharing. So go ahead, trim the tree, deck the halls, or dash through snow. Whatever your holiday traditions, make the most of them. Food City, how the holidays happen. Today and every day, the 
Johnson City Way. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics Program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda, you can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City Way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City Way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. Landon Owen. Let's go, let's go. We got the teamwork to make the dream work. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Ah, Landon Owen, last week the bold prediction that there's no way the Mets would do something crazy like get Rollins and Cano, and lo and behold, guess who the Mets get, Landon? How excited are you that you are all over the train wreck known as the Mets, and they were not going to do or you were hoping they weren't going to do it, and look what they did for you. Uh, Mets doing Mets things, even in the off season. So, yeah, let's get started early in writing the season off sooner. Uh, spending them Freddy coupons on uh, Robinson Cano, I just don't know. I had multiple Good. people, Landon, that told me this has to be the worst trade in Mets history. And these are people that don't necessarily know a ton about baseball. And you being the Mets guru that you are, you know way more about the Mets than I do. Is this possible that this actually is the worst trade in Mets history? No, this is the <laughs> the worst trade in Mets history was when they traded a prospect named Scott Casimir for a washed-up veteran, Victor Zambrano, oh. at the deadline. And Casimir turns into a multiple-time All-Star that they knew he was going to be. He was coming up either later that year or early next. And uh, he just turns in and flourishes, and then, yeah, and we ended up with him. We did trade Jeff Kent, I believe. Uh, he was a problem with the clubhouse, and he turned into an MVP. So we've made some uh, errors in judgment. And let's not, uh, let's not forget trading, paying Bobby Bonilla a $5 million buyout to get out of the last uh, – year of his contract to the famous 20-year uh, million-a-year deal. Let's, so. talk about, let's talk about the fact that Jeff Kent won an MVP. I still have a hard time believing that. Very good player, but I never picture him an MVP well, and, type And he was, he was a problem in the uh, the Giants clubhouse, oh, w- which was a miracle because uh, Barry Bonds was clearly the, the biggest issue <laughs> in that clubhouse. <laughs> they had a lot of issues in that clubhouse, I think. Hey, and they I, won, I remember, baby. didn't Kent and Bonds get in a fight? They did, again? yes, yes. I was going to bring that up next. They did. I tell you, the the, the funny thing is the one guy that kind of held it together is the guy that's always accused of Kent winning the, the, the big one. Dusty Baker seemed to somehow get him to, to get along. But Dusty was, you know, the, the classic manager who really could get just enough out of the team to get him to a certain point but couldn't get him over the hump. And I know that's always the – you know, you're supposed to be, especially at the pro level, right? It's all about winning. He never could get there. But if you look at some of the clubhouses that Dusty walked into, 
kind of felt like he did a great job of turning some of those around. He just couldn't quite figure out how to how to get him over the hump to 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 win a lot of championships. I think that they yeah. beat or lost to the Angels that year. They got to the World Series, right? When Barry Bonds hit the furthest ball that Troy Gloss had ever seen hit. You've seen that video where he he clubs one about 700 feet. I mean, this thing is deep into the night, and the camera guy was brilliant, whoever he was. Zooms in on Troy Gloss, who's saying, that's the furthest ball I've ever seen hit. But the Angels beat my Minnesota Twins that year. That was the one year that Minnesota got over the hump, got out of the first round of the playoffs and beaten in the ALCS. Because Adam Kennedy hit three home runs in the deciding game. Adam Kennedy, who never hit home runs. I'm I'm still bitter. But that was also the World Series where Dusty Baker's son had to be rescued, right? He was the bat boy, right? right. He's coming over there to pick up up the bat, and he gets gets flung up. We got sidetracked here. All right, we don't want to run out of too much time because we've got a mystery guest more important than Landon. I know he's going to find that hard to believe, but – Let's talk a little of college football as we, and then we'll we'll jump into college basketball, and then as we turn the page in the new year, we'll clearly focus in on college hoops. But you know the bowl games are listed, and and uh, Trey back in the studio will probably give us some random question about the playoffs and what we think about it, which we care less about on this show because we're more FCS. But that being said, Landon, there's the bowl game season usually is a fun time because you get matchups, uh, you know, sort of dream matchups in a lot of situations and uh kind of curious about that but the dream matchups we like to focus in on aren't necessarily those power conferences but some of those good uh, non-power five games what do you got for us yeah i think the one that intrigues me the most uh, you know probably one of the most consistent teams that have moved up from the fcs to fbs appalachian state uh near and dear to many bucks fans i'm sure but um, they play mtsu who had a great season um, they're just a solid program over there in Conference USA. Uh, interesting matchup down in New Orleans, and even more interesting now that Scott Satterfield has accepted the Louisville job. So you always wonder how kids are going to play. Um, but I, I don't think that'll be an issue for App. I think they'll be happy for him. He's an, he's an alum there. I think they're going to do fine. A um, couple other matchups, more big big school programs, but maybe some that haven't had success in a while. Near and dear to my heart, of course, Syracuse playing West Virginia, an old rivalry from the Big East days. Uh, the first game I ever attended was a, a West Virginia-Syracuse game. It kind of hooked me on the on the deal. And Kentucky uh, playing in the Citrus Bowl against Penn State. So that should – I hate to pick a Big Ten team in there for Mike. But uh, other than that, it's a great, great uh, matchup, some of the early ones. Um, and you always get a little disappointing one, too. And one of the ones that jumped out at me was Wisconsin and Miami playing in the Pinstripe Bowl. If you looked at it preseason, these teams were ranked in the top ten. This was Wisconsin was fourth, Miami was eighth, and uh, both finished seven and five. So hey, your reward is to go play in the snow. Uh, so I'm sure Miami's stoked about that. Landon Owen, was there ever any doubt that Miami was fraudulent and that Wisconsin that cannot move the ball, cannot score, plays a very definitive brand of Big Ten football? Because that is just what Big Ten football is known for. you got to love your 13-10 to 10 games if you're watching, like, the 17 teams that are in the Big Ten now. Was there ever any doubt that these two teams would disappoint this year? Uh, I think Miami was set up to disappoint more than Wisconsin uh, because they did kind of tailspin at the end of last year and maybe overachieved, they, well not maybe they overachieved a little bit early in the season last year and peaked at number two in the rankings, uh, which doesn't really mean much. I remember South Florida being number two in the rankings one time. Um, so it, somebody always rises to the top and they were the great story last year, but yeah, they didn't have a lot of leadership it seemed coming back. They're recruiting well. I think they'll be back. Uh, so maybe this is just a bump in the road for Coach Rick down there. 
Jayer Michigan Wolverines are playing a very hated foe. No one likes Michigan, no one likes Florida, and we're happy to see them meet up again. Uh, no, I'm not because th this <laughs> is like the 27th time they've played in 30 years, either in a bowl game or a kickoff classic. And to, to me, Landon, that, that's such a played-out, weak, non – and I, I, I'm sure it had to do with tickets, right? And, and someone has to do where they finish, uh, and I get that, but – I'm sure tickets and name recognition had to do more than people literally want to see another Michigan-Florida game. I think in your – you mentioned – you said it well, the dream matchups. Well, this this dream's over. I mean, it, this dream has been played out over and over again. It's turning kind of into a just, uh, I've seen this game before. Um, the two, two great programs, no question. But I'm with you. I want to see some different matchups. Some of that stuff can work to your advantage sometimes is, is – I kind of the pecking order of the conferences now they work with the bowls to find out you know good matchups geography hey we don't want this team over and over i don't know that they they only look at matchups like hey we don't want a rematch from this year but we'll take a we'll take a florida michigan anytime we can get it because it'll help them sell tickets well and, and 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 they've had some some games that that have been classics and they've had some games honestly have been stinkers and but still, it's just something that if you look at over the last 10 years, I think it'll be the fifth time they played. And, I mean, just, you know, for, for two teams that really have no reason to play five times in 10 years, I mean, it's one thing if there's a, a, a tie-in, the, the, the close proximity, or, or I would even give Syracuse West Virginia because they were in the same conference that, like, people want to see that again. But I, I see no need for that. There was, there was another one I, I find interesting that, uh, that I'm, I kind of want to watch. I know the rest of the country may not care about, but I'll, the Iowa State-Washington State seems like a very fun matchup to me to watch just because, again, it's not two teams that are traditionally great at football. They have good teams here and there, not great at football, but it's just two different styles of football it's going to be in the uh, Alamo Bowl. Certainly, and uh, Iowa State nabbed the top uh, Big 12 spot outside of the Big 6 with uh, Texas moving up to play in the what are they in the road? The, I don't know. They're in one of those big games. Um, but, yeah, they uh, they moved up to, to play that. They kind of leapfrog West Virginia. But I think that was a situation where, like you mentioned, Syracuse, uh, West Virginia, they needed that matchup. And Syracuse doesn't necessarily sell the best tickets. So um, rather than taking NC State, who they beat, you know, kind of the dominoes fall. So, yeah, I think Washington State, Iowa State, great game. Uh, two, yeah, you talk about two coaches. You know, you got the gambler and uh, and Coach Leach, and then probably the best up and coming coach in college football, and Matt Campbell. Uh, so I don't know how long Matt Campbell's going to be at Iowa State. Um, there's really no big marquee jobs this year, but for the first big job that opens next year, you can circle him as your top candidate. All right, let's talk uh, a little bit college basketball now. And, again, we'll talk a lot more uh, college hoops. Uh, I don't know if it'll start next week or, or when we come back from the new year, but we'll certainly dive into all the college basketball news. There's been a lot of mid-majors making noise, though, Landon. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how about Furman getting into the rankings? When was the last time the SOCON had a team ranked? Steph Curry and Davidson. That's been a while. Um so, good for them. Uh, excited to see them come to Freedom Hall. We've got our tickets already. I hope everybody else out there has got theirs because that's going to be an in-demand ticket. Uh, how about Buffalo? Uh, started the season hot, picked up right where they left off. Um, they're up to 17 or 18, depending on which poll you're looking at. They've got a big game coming up against at Syracuse next week. Uh, Nevada, still number six, uh, undefeated. 
they've got a big one Friday at Arizona State. So if you don't have anything to do Friday night, that's a pretty good game to watch. And, of course, Gonzaga leading the pack is the number one team in the country. Not a mid-major. Let's be, be certain about that. That's their bread and butter. But a non-Power 6 conference for basketball. And they've got an intriguing matchup again on Sunday against the Vols out in Phoenix, of all places. So uh, some good matchups coming up. But Furman certainly being rewarded for winning at Villanova and at Loyola. There's got to be a stat out there. Can we get Elias on who's the who's the last team to win at two Final Four participants in the first month of the season? Landon, I'm quite sure. I don't know what the answer to that is, but I'm quite sure that you have cleared your schedule for Buffalo and Syracuse. You could have a family member's birthday or a major holiday that day, and I don't believe you'd be anywhere else but at that Buffalo-Syracuse game. Uh, I will not be at the game. Wow. It's way too cold up there. What this kind time of fan of are so you? I'm happy to watch on my uh, ACC network at home. This is the last thing I'll say to you. You're a fraud and you're not a real fan. Thank you for joining wow. us. Wow. Hey, I will point out that I did. Point, I called out the Sabres last week for winning 10 in a row. And what's happened since then? Stop I've bringing up three hockey. Of their games this week. And we've, they're 0-2-1 in the three games I've watched since. So I'm off the bandwagon. No one cares about hockey. You talked about the Twins. I know no one cares about the Mets, but they're just comical. They're a comedy of errors. I know no one cares about the Twins. Well, the, the Twins don't register enough for people to care about them, where the Mets people care and then they disappoint. I'd I rather mean, be the nobody than the I mean, in, fa- in fairness, the Mets and the Twins do have Appalachian League teams here, so there are some <laughs> insulary fans that, that will sort of pull for the guys that were here, and if they weren't here, they do not pull for them. But if the Mets and uh, the Twins have had guys that have stopped in this area, usually there's some I don't want to call them fans, but they certainly will pay attention to them, if that's fair. I used to, yeah, I used to pull for the Twins, actually, because they had their AAA team in Rochester. That's right. So Morneau and Maurer and all those guys came through there when I was in high school. Also know, came through Elizabeth. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. But, yeah, no longer. All right, Landon, we appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, guys. Have a good week. All right, man. That's Landon Owen, Lando's Land. We'll step out for a time. What, are you going are, are you, are you to help us out, Mr. No. Guest? No. No, you're going to just preview it when we come back. Got to wait. All right. Don't forget you can download Sandos and the Sidekick on SoundCloud and on iTunes. We're back with more on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Ballot Health is an integrated health care system built to meet the local needs in northeast Tennessee and southwest Virginia. Together with community, we are transforming our region. We're making communities healthier. We're expanding access to critical services in rural areas. And we're investing in health research and medical education. It's your story. We're listening. Ballot Health is proud to be the official health care provider of ETSU Athletics, Go Bucks! The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 1216 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Nothing says breakfast like maple syrup. And nothing says breakfast any time of day like Wendy's new bacon maple chicken sandwich. Applewood smoked bacon, juicy chicken, sweet maple glaze on a croissant bun. It gives you all the great breakfast flavors when you're awake enough to enjoy them. So stop by Wendy's and enjoy the bacon maple chicken sandwich whenever you want. At participating Wendy's for a limited time. 
Mulliken Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulliken's pre-finished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulliken Flooring. General Shale is proud to support ETSU basketball and Southern Conference fans everywhere. Want to make the most of game day? Now you can design your dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you design custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from up to 10 building types designed with over 50 of our most popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with your friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. The ETSU Coaches Show, back on Mondays for the basketball season. After leading their teams to the Southern Conference Championship game last year, Steve Forbes and Brittany Izell return to Wild Wing Cafe every Monday night to chat with Voice of the Bucks' Jay Sandos about the quest to get their squads to the NCAA tournament. Every Monday through early March, make sure to tune in at 6 p.m. to hear from the heads of ETSU men's and women's basketball right here on WXSM AM 640, the Extreme Sports Monster. Trump, Trudeau, Trick Daddy, Tramp, the insult comic dog. Who's next? I don't know what's gonna happen. The secrets. Sandos and the sidekick. Phenomenal. Phenomenal, I think. Intro? Any guesses on who this is this week? Told you media member. Oh, oh great. Go ahead. Great. There's thousands. Guess Medi one. Media <laughs> member. Media That's member. That's all I'm giving you. One. Media member. Is it? Is it uh, print? It, it. Well, is print even a thing anymore? Who cares? Well, a writer. I mean, is it a writer? Hashtag is it a broadcaster? Is it a... He does a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. I'll give you this. CBS Sports and Sirius XM Radio. Greg Dodd. No, good guess. That's Ugh. a good guess. It's Barrett Salee oh. covering oh, college football in the college football playoff. Barrett, thanks for taking some time to talk college football playoffs with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, you nailed the top six. I went back and looked through your Twitter timeline, and you had it one through six in order. Why do you think the committee got it right? Well, I, you know, I think in terms of Georgia, um, we sort of all got caught up in, you know, SEC championship game buzz and, and how that game went down for Georgia. Uh, but the resume just wasn't there for the Bulldogs. Uh, results have to matter, and a 20-point loss to LSU uh, should count. And, yeah, they played uh, Alabama close, but it's a loss. And when, you're lo when a loss is the best bullet point on your resume, something's wrong. And so Oklahoma, you look at what they did, they, they beat every team on their schedule. Now, it took them two tries to beat Texas, but they still did it. Texas is a good team in the committee's eyes. West Virginia is a good team in the committee's eyes. So, um, you know, I, I think in, in the committee, I, I think, almost got caught up in the, the buzz of Georgia, but their mission is not to pick the best four teams right now. If that were the case, then you could get some three-loss teams 
uh, in the playoff just because they're hot. Uh, their mission is to, to award the best four teams this season with playoff bids, and, and Georgia just wasn't one of those this year. Do you think Ohio State had any gripe at all, especially coming from, I'm sure in their mindset, a conference that has been, and I quote, snubbed the past couple of years? Well, it wasn't very good, so that's why it was snubbed. <laughs> and, and Ohio State, I mean, don't lose by 29 points to Purdue, a 6-6 six and six Purdue team. I mean, win more football games and, and do better than that. So, uh, you know, it's uh, I think Ohio State, that, that gripe, just like last year, um, you know, it was faint. It was fleeting. It was, uh, it was, I think, really ineffective and should have been ineffective because um, the, the the knock on Ohio State uh, was that loss, and that simply is way too much to overlook. I like going back through the written word and talking about it in our modern day. Twitter is the way to do that. Just after the playoff field was announced, you said. Reese, uh, of course, Reese Davis, uh, is right. The BCS would have been great. There's a clear gap between Alabama, Clemson, and then everyone else. Are we destined for the fourth matchup in the college football playoff, third in the championship game between the Tigers and Tide? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Clemson has been so much better with Trevor Lawrence as a starting quarterback. Uh, The defense is next-level good. They've got playmakers all over the place, Um, you know, and, and they have the pedigree of success now. So, yeah, I mean, I think we are. Uh, I think they'll handle Notre Dame with relative ease. Um, and in Alabama, as long as they don't get caught up in the Kyler show, um, you know, we'll get we'll get through Oklahoma. And, you know, I, I know, um, you know, especially people outside of the southeast, since Clemson and, and Alabama are both southeastern teams, uh, will probably get sick of it. But, you know, they need to play better football in other places. And right now, Clemson and, and Alabama have proven to be the two top programs, not just teams, but programs – uh, in the country, and because of that, um, you know, they, they routinely meet each other in these situations. And um, until other programs get to that point, then you're going to see a whole lot of this because Nick Saban and, and Dabo Sweeney, um, you know, they're not slowing down anytime soon. Uh, you hit it on the head, and I'm one of these people that thinks it's kind of stale, boring, predictable. I'm more of an NFL guy where it seems like week to week you have no idea what's going to happen. Now, you look historically and go to championship games, and you can say, well, you know, the, the AFC, it seems like it's been Roethlisberger, it's been Brady, in the NFC it's been Rodgers. And so you can kind of narrow that down as well to a couple of teams led by a couple of quarterbacks that have been at a certain level over the last 15 or so years. Am I right or am I wrong that this is boring and predictable? Am I looking at it the wrong way? I mean, I think the NFL is boring and predictable, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, I mean, yeah, the championship game uh, and, and, you know, the the juggernauts in college football, um, you know, might be boring and predictable. But I'd say the same exact thing about the NFL, uh, and that's a much less entertaining brand of football. Uh, You know, so, yeah, to me, I think the ride is different. I think the, um, the uncertainty is different. The fact that, um, you know, there's so much diversity in styles. Um, you know, that, that get you to the point, regardless of who you are, even if you're Alabama, um, you know, a lot of crazy, wacky things happen in college football, um, you know, to get even the best teams to, to the point where they can compete for championships. So um, I, I think um, anything becoming stale in the world of college football, I think, is, uh, is almost impossible because, you know, then something like a fourth and 11 fake punt from the 50-yard line when you're in a tie ball game and an SEC championship game happens, and then Jalen Hurts, the guy who was benched, 
leads your team to a, an SEC title right. in the same building in which he was benched. Right. You know, so drama like that happens, and it's strange and it's fun. And so um, if the end result is a matchup you've seen before, then great, that's fine. Other teams need to be better. That could very well be the ultimate trump card in the conversation is the Jalen Hurts full circle that that came. I mean, it's kind of indescribable, isn't it, how this worked out the way it did. Jalen Hurts, just one of the ultimate stories in college football that I think will be indelible and remembered in college football fans' minds forever. It was one of the more ridiculously unexpected things I've ever seen. I mean, look, I knew Jalen had progressed as a passer. That was obvious. You know, when he came in this year, Dan Enos, their quarterback's coach, had done a tremendous job with him. It was it was clear. Uh, and I said before all this that Jalen can lead Alabama to a national championship this year. I still do believe that. Uh, with that said, the way Georgia's defense was playing, and specifically in that spot, coming in cold, um, you know, with, with very little time to do it, um, I, it just it, in the same building in which his career took a dramatic turn 11 months prior against the same team in roughly the same situation. I it was I mean that script would get rejected by Hollywood because they would say it wasn't believable. And I mean it was that that drive with the touchdown. Um, you know right before uh, you know the fake punt, so the one that tied it up. I mean there were three third down passes where it's just like, oh, my God, this guy is making and not just good throws. He's making top-tier NFL throws in a situation in which he's coming cold. I mean, it was it was uh, remarkable. And I live in Georgia, and I, I know a lot. I grew up here. I know a lot of uh, Georgia fans. And while they were completely heartbroken by the result, every single one of them had said to me, you know what, that was, that was pretty darn cool what Jalen did. Now, you had it on your Twitter, I believe it's 10 years now that in the quote-unquote college football playoff, BCS, whatever, over the last 10 years, there has been a team from Alabama. Uh, are you in favor or against playoff expansion with the way things have worked out over the last couple of years? I've always been an eight-team guy since the conversation was going to a playoff and away from the BCS. In my mind, nothing could be hurt by that. It could bring in more fans into college football, maybe capture the mind of that frustrated fan that's sick of seeing Alabama and Clemson uh, for or against that kind of expansion. Wholeheartedly against it. I think it would be absolutely devastating to a sport that is unlike any other in terms of landscape. So if it's unlike any other in terms of landscape, why should it replicate um, the way others run their postseason? Because uh, they run their postseason through you know geographical divisions we have ge geographical um you know uh, conferences in college football but not enough playoff spots for them which means you have to reward elite teams regardless of where they're from not uh, grant access to teams based on division or region and that i mean if you have an 18 playoff the only way it would get passed is if you had five automatic bids for the five power conference champions one bid reserved for the group of five, and then two at-larges. Well, what happens if Northwestern beat Ohio State last weekend? What happens if Pitt beat Clemson? You know, what happened if, if Utah and Utah or Washington would be in regardless? Um, you know, those teams don't deserve national championships. Those teams don't deserve um, the same right to play for a national title as, you know, an Alabama or, or uh, you know, Notre Dame. Why, why, would, why would they? You know, the, the regular season is what makes college football great. The, um, the three months 
um, you know, of, of really uncertainty uh, as to what what wins and losses mean at any given time. That's what makes college football great. And, um, you know, the, the debate, the frustration, um, you know, the, the college football playoff committee, the college football playoff uh, you know, administrators and the commissioners themselves, uh, they love that. Uh, they, they view that as a feature, not a bug, because it, it grants more money to them through whatever the bowl payouts are for the playoff teams and whatever the, uh, the TV rights are for any given conference because it draws interest and intrigue and mystery. And that's what the whole sport's all about. Uh, and that's why I think it's the greatest sport in, in, uh, in American sports. That argument you make about the regular season being so important, so huge, so monumental, and meaning a lot, obviously the 18 playoff, the argument against it from what you're saying and from what I've seen on Twitter as well, it kind of devalues that. What then do you say to the University of Central Florida fans who feel like, well, essentially they're playing for, while well, they can go undefeated and they can have a great regular season, they're not ever playing to get to that elite top level that some of the others are? Go play better teams. And they've had the opportunity. Anybody that says they haven't doesn't, uh, doesn't really um, know how those conversations have gone. And their athletics you know, department and members of that athletics department, I think, have, um, <clears throat> uh, I would say, sent misguided information or just flat-out wrong information out about what their philosophies are. Uh, so if UCF you know, wants to play with the big boys, schedule accordingly. And um, they feel like they are too good to do what other group of five teams have done consistently, and that is go take those paychecks. Go uh, test yourself with the big boys. Teams aren't scared of playing UCF. I mean, teams will play UCF uh, if it makes financial sense, but if it doesn't fit, make financial sense, they're not going to do it. So if UCF, uh, UCF doesn't want access to, to a playoff. I, I'm a firm believer now that UCF doesn't want access to a playoff hmm. it wants to kick and scream about not getting access to a playoff while still boosting its bottom line and raising its uh its its visibility uh to kids and recruits who are going to play on that level anyway to your point maybe playing that underdog repressed role makes more sense and works more in their favor than actually getting to that point and having that chance i've seen lots of arguments ranging from Notre Dame shouldn't be in this year to UCF backers that it seems like, you know, as we've talked about, will always be disappointed this time of year. One of them I even saw claimed an antitrust violation. Uh, any CFP arguments you've heard this year that you believe in, that you buy, that makes sense to you, that have swayed you from believing this system is fine and that the committee got it right? No, not at all. In fact, I think, um, you know, it, it only confirms that the committee got it right, that uh, you had that Georgia debate, that you had – uh, in Ohio State debate, um, that you know, that, that's what this is all about. You know, that that's why it exists. And um, you know, I think the the idea that um, you know, conference commissioners uh, of conferences that are left out, Pac-12 and Big Ten this year, are going to suddenly turn. Uh, that's you know, they're the ones who agreed to this. They're the ones who gave Notre Dame, you know, the same rights and privilege as a full conference. Um, you know, so I'm sure they didn't think it would be their conference getting left out. But, you know, they knew somebody would, and, um, you know, so, I, yeah, that, that's, uh, there, there's nothing that happened this year or really any year, um, you know, in, in terms of the college football playoff 
that has suggested to me that they'd ever consider expansion because they are perfectly happy with where they are. One final question, Baird, and this isn't one I expected that we'd talk about until we all woke up today and saw that Urban Meyer is retiring. Uh, do you believe that this is it for him? Of course, he's retired once before. It sounds like health once again playing into the factors that went into his retirement this time around. Florida, of course, the first time now from Ohio State. And for Ohio State, what does the future hold with Meyer stepping down? Uh, well, Ryan Day is going to be fine. I mean, he, he passed up a couple of head coaching opportunities last year. He kept, passed up uh, maybe some more lucrative and, and different opportunities as a coordinator. Uh, he'll be fine. He's a young guy, but he knows what he's doing. Uh, as far as Urban, do I believe he'll never coach again? <laughs> I don't believe anything Urban says fully, um, ever. Uh, he could say the, uh, the the earth is round, and I'd, I'd kind of believe it's flat um, if he said it. But, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, he'll, I don't think he'll coach in college again. I think that um, part of the reason that um, that his health stuff and the stress level has, has sort of risen and, and, and thus, you know, affected his his, uh, his system, his brain, is is due to the, the, the grind. It's, it's a different kind of grind at college. You know, you have to recruit. You have to be on the road. You always have to be on your toes. There's always something going on behind the scenes. Um, you have to worry about what dumb 18 to 22 year old kids do in college <laughs> because we all do dumb stuff in college. We right. all did do stuff, dumb stuff in college. Correct. You know, that's, it's a different sort of world. Uh, I do think he has the NFL itch. I do feel like he, uh, has that, that he would go out there to, to prove that he can win at the, at the, at an elite level. I also think that that might be less stressful for him because he could just coach and you know, he could just be a coach. Um, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised if he goes to the NFL, but I do think he's done in college. Barrett Salee from Sirius XM College Sports Radio, also CBS Sports, writing and video there as well. Barrett, your time very much appreciated. Thank you so much for taking it, and be well, sir. All right, thanks for having me. Thought it was actually a good get by you. I thought uh, he did a great job of being a media member and uh, very uncommittal on uh, a lot of college football topics. <laughs> to be to be quite honest, I, more real than I thought he would be the opinions were semi-aggressive and i enjoy someone that is very honest very open and i thought barrett Salee was that big thanks to him for joining us that was a huge get good job uh, you got another one next week right yeah another, uh, another who is it it's another media member that i'm not saying oh not giving it all, to, right. Look at that. all right we got one more segment trey adams will join us outside of this sandos and the sidekick on the buccaneer sports network let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets high-performance gas ranges, or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. The Firehouse Restaurant in downtown Johnson City has been a proud supporter of the Bucks since 1980. Our hickory-smoked barbecues, sides, sauces, dressings, and desserts are all made from scratch because that's the way the locals like it. Our tailgate packs are available through Firehouse Catering for 12 or more, starting at just $8 per person. The packs are available all season on Fridays, Saturdays, and Mondays. For more information, visit thefirehouse.com. Come see us before the big game. The Firehouse, 627 West Walnut Street between ETSU and downtown Johnson City. 
Purchasing a new home, remodeling your home, First Bank and Trust makes applying for a loan easy. Our online application process is designed to allow you to stop anytime and pick up where you left off when it works for you. And after you submit an online application, you can check your loan status anytime. Visit or call me, Rose Fulton, today for help with your purchase, refinance, construction, or home loan. We're there for all your mortgage needs because we're your bank for life. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were... This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway... He scores! This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. No one knows better than the Bucks what it takes to compete on the college level. No one knows better than Bullseye what it takes to compete in the business market. At Bullseye, we provide innovative products and services to help our customers meet their business objectives, and you can count on us for graphic design, printing, mailing services, and much more. Bullseye, a preferred partner of the ETSU Athletic Department. Call Bullseye in Johnson City at 423-283-7772 or visit us on Hanover Road near Cheddar's. Bullseye for all your printing needs. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City Power Board has had a few different looks, but we've remained the same trusted partner you rely on. Now, we've changed our name to Bright Ridge to match our vision, to deliver on our promise of great service you can count on, embracing common sense technology to strengthen the communities we serve. We're glad to be your public power provider. Bright Ridge, new name, Renewed Promise. Learn more at brightridge.com. Sandos in the Zionkick final segment on this Wednesday tomorrow. What do we got tomorrow? Crazy Coach? I guess we got that Crazy guy back, Coach, don't we? yeah, we do. Yeah. Oh, i got to find some bites. Actually, there's a plethora of bites. I have two specifically. You, you already said you wanted to get Roy Williams. There's another oh, one. yes. I can't remember what it was, but it was brilliant. We're going to have a couple. He'll be fine. Uh, now, let me ask you this. Do we need to do a hybrid four downs? And what are we doing for basketball? Because we have to have some sort of, uh, I mean, 24-second clock. One, two, uh, three, four quarters. Mm, we could do that. I was, uh-huh. uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was also thinking maybe he gave us four topics, but we had a shot clock of like 30 seconds to get our answers in. Oh, interesting. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure that out. we got to figure that out. And, and then even because there is a little bit of football, there is a little bit of that, we may even have time to do both. Maybe get a little four questions. Football, four basketball. We'll see. I don't know how good Trey is. We'll I, figure it I out. i got to go back. I'm not very and good. i got to <laughs> go back and change downs to quarters, and the joke will just be it sounds so terrible with an extra syllable, but we go with it anyway. That will be the new bumper is four quarters. I love it, even though in men's basketball there's halves. That's okay. In women's basketball there's quarters. We'll go with it. How do you feel about that, Trey? I like it. I can right. hear you guys today. I like it. Well, when you plug the thing into the right thing, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. You know, it's we, not the best producer in America for nothing, folks. I right. mean, that's right. Today, right. What, what is this segment called? Uh, today, Bucks by Barney Martin. And I'll let you take a guess where he played on. This show has been mentioned a couple times on Sandos and the Sidekick. Seinfeld? Yes. To uh, which one? I said Seinfeld. Marty said Seinfeld. Father oh, of Jerry. Oh, yes. 
Also I, I a New York police detective. I, I love that you're into Seinfeld now, Trey. We've had many good Seinfeld discussions. We had, before the game yesterday, Trey was in studio for ETSU women's basketball versus Liberty. We had about a half-hour conversation about late 90s television and how NBC was crushing and how they're terrible now. No, they, it, it was the thing, right? Uh you had Will and Grace, you had Friends, you had Seinfeld, yeah. uh, and then even up until you know the last five or so years, Parks and Rec, Community, The Office. Oh man, yeah, they're rocking and rolling. Powerhouse. The must see TV Thursday was out of control for them. Right. Anyway, I mean, even, yeah. All right, yeah. Even yeah. Cheers and all them back in the day. Oh, too, cheers, yeah. 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 All right, yeah I thought that was on CBS. No. Oh, okay. Cheers was on NBC, wasn't it? I don't think Cheers uh, doesn't strike me. You as can look good. that up when uh, we answer whatever question you give us. Okay. Yeah. So just a couple weeks before the end of 2018 as we move into the next year, 2019, what is one sports moment that you would like to see next year? What's one sports moment you want to see? I want to hear your take before we give our take. I want to I make fun of you before I get to make fun of Jay. Okay, well, I've actually got two. The first one, Tiger winning a major in 2019. Ooh, and, that's a good one. That would be nice. And uh, just for the state of Tennessee, I'd like to see the Preds win the Stanley Cup. You're bringing up hockey, too. Why does every guest want to bring up hockey? I don't know. I'm counting Trey as a guest, but Landon and Trey both bringing up hockey. Thank God Barrett Salee didn't bring up hockey. I'm sick of this hockey stuff. Can hockey season be over? I don't care if it just started. Hockey's terrible. I'm from Minnesota, and I think hockey's terrible. Uh, I finally picked up my first win in fantasy hockey last week. All right, You're playing fantasy <laughs> hockey? Now Jay brings it up. I'm leaving the show. This is, I, I can't do this anymore. This is All right, so the question is what do I want to see next year, right? Yes. It can be a hot take. It can be just anything. Uh, what I want to see next year. I want to see Clay Travis get fired from all his media jobs. Uh, <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> That's the one thing. He's doing his job right then, right? Because then I'm caring about what's happening to him. I'll, I'll take that back. Clay Travis, I hope you're, I hope you're great. Sure. I, I would. Um, you're definitely listening. I would hope that the NCAA Division One football would figure out that a playoff system is very easy uh, yes. to do because the NCAA runs every other division of playoffs and I don't want to hear the well the students have to be I heard Paul Feinbaum the other day say well the students got to be what are you talking about football misses less class than any sport period and they have more to at the at the high level they've got more tutors than anybody else and they're flying uh, they're not flying uh, commercial like all the other teams are because there's so many people there chartering there and back quickly. So I don't want to hear anything of the weak excuses of football because they could play some extra home games for those. The only reason college football doesn't have a playoff is for all the crappy teams and coaches that want to keep their job and play in a little bowl game and they feel good about themselves. So you're Barrett Salee counterpoint. Barrett Salee very satisfied. Yes, I would have been ardent on, in the uh, defense of the I, I would have. Uh, we would not have gotten along. He probably would have hung up on me at some point in time. <laughs> uh, and and I granted, I come from the SCS and I see play, but I mean, if Division Two and Division Three, and NEI and these schools that don't have money can figure out how to work a playoff with student, you don't think that Division Three schools that have a little bit more high academic standards than Alabama, than Ole Miss, than LSU, than you know, Michigan, all these other ones. Like, like, are you kidding me? Like, those guys don't like the Ivy Leagues? I mean, are you – of course, Ivy Leagues don't participate, so that's probably a bad example. Uh, they should because they participate in all the other championships. Why they don't in football, I have no idea. I think it's just because they're setting their ways. But uh, I would like that. That would be mine. I would want to see that expanded and not to eight teams. I want 16. The reason I want 16 wow. is like any other championship they run, all division champions are in. So you win your conference. I should say division. All the conference champions are in. And is is it everyone gets a trophy? Fair. No, but you finally solve the question. 
does that team deserve to be in the chip? Now, are those teams going to argue that they should get a home game? They're probably never going to get a home game. I could care less about that. They get a chance, at least on the field, to make an argument that they belong. And they'll have upsets, just like they do in every other level of sports. I would have 16. I would have the 10 or 11. What is I think it's 10 conferences in football. 10 conference area, you've got six at-large. Would they argue over who's 17? Sure, but they argue over who's 69 now. Who cares? If somebody won the NIT, I've never heard a good argument. Well, you know, if they won the NIT, boy, if they'd have just been an NCAA. No, no, nobody. Once once it tips up, nobody cares about the 69 team. Same thing uh, absolutely in football. Once they teed up and kick it off the 17 team, my goodness, you, you had a chance to win your league and you had a chance to be the six at larges and you're not. And also, I know I was going to say 11 because Notre Dame could eat up that 11 spot. If Notre Dame won enough games to get in, and, and I know somebody out there would say, well, if they just win nine or ten games, they're automatically in. Well, fine. But would you not rather have 16 and and get the UCFs in, let App State have a shot, let Middle have a shot, and if they, they – Fizzle out in the first round. Alabama wins by forty. Guess what? They can still rest their starters. I don't. I don't understand what the problem. Can you is. imagine how exciting that would be? And this is what I don't understand with the people. That say, oh yeah, the four college football teams and Barrett Lee made great points. I thought uh, I'm still going to disagree with them. And this is a topic that I think a lot of people have their own separate opinions on. And you'll find a ton of debate on. But can you imagine how exciting in these conference championship games? Uh, let's be honest. I mean, conference championship Saturday and Friday and, you know, that weekend is fantastic. But can you imagine if there was something on the line like that, how many more viewers, how much more money, how much more interest would be generated? Because I'm sorry, I'm not watching the Sunbelt championship game. I don't care. I'm not watching the conference USA championship game. I don't care. But if there's a playoff spot on the line and a chance for somebody to extend their season and play a game that matters, not go and play a bowl game, that no one will watch aside from Jacob Townsend on December 22nd. It doesn't matter. But if you're in the playoff and you have a chance in a national championship, you have to capture the casual viewer. You have to capture the interest of people that wouldn't otherwise care. That's why I think that an 18 playoff, for me personally, uh, that's what I want, as you heard when I talked with Barrett Salib. That's why I think it would work, because then you'd get the underdog that right now, which is UCF, would just – be left out every year. You'd edge them in because they're what are they right now? Seven or eight? See, I, st- I still, th- I, I, I like still... sixteen. Hey, I like sixteen. But I here's what would happen. Like here's what would happen in eight. The committee gets off by putting them at seven or eight because it's like, well, they really weren't good enough. But if you go to eight, what they'll end up doing is putting them ninth. You think so? Oh yeah, really? Absolutely. Huh. They'll keep them out because they want the money to stay with those power fives. But if you mandate the champions are in. It's, it, it would it, they would just push them to nine. That's exactly what they would do. That would they, frustrate me. I mean, because because you're sitting there looking. I guess what Georgia was five, Ohio State six. six. Uh, How bitter am I that the Big Ten means nothing in the college football landscape anymore? Yeah. I mean, they they would probably put LSU and Michigan in before that, and that would be garbage. Uh, I mean, I mean, you'd get three SEC teams in before you even get there. I mean, how bad would that be? SEC teams would lose four games, and but here's the thing: you, an SEC team can lose four games in your scenario and get in a 16 team playoff. Right, I'm, I'm fine, but so you're okay with but, that. but but the argument is if UCF goes undefeated in their league and they win a conference championship game, they're, they're in. in for sure. They right? are in. Right. There there is no listen. Uh, Furman could go twenty nine and one and lose in the championship game, and they're still not in. Think so? Yeah, because as soon as they start winning SoCon games, that RPI start and the NET thing starts knocking them down. Man, listen, there was a lot of talk when when Davidson. Uh, no, no, Davidson was I think twenty seven and four, and didn't get in as an at-large in the Southern Conference. So uh, Middle Tennessee won 28 games a couple years ago 
and didn't get in. So, yes, I am 100% positive that I would much rather say in football if they win the, the championship because they don't have a weird term. I mean, they, they – you know, and the, the truth is you have less games. So, at least at least in basketball, there is a little bit of argument. Well, they, they've had 30 games to, to state their case. Well, in football, I mean, you really, you really don't. And football is so weird because you, you make the schedule. You make the schedule out seven, eight years in advance. So, you could let, – let's say right now – UCF got LSU on the schedule. Let's say right now Ed Orgeron did something wrong and LSU took all these penalties and now LSU is a four-win team. Well, they tried to schedule them years out. They stink, and you still get hammered for it. Same thing with Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame got in this year, but the big knock on them maybe not getting in was the simple reason that the schools they played that were traditionally good weren't this year. Well, whose fault is that? Why is that? That's such a the, – the stupid eyeball test, and, and I, that's fine. Well, they look like a, a good team. Well, great. How many times does a team look like they're going to win NCAA tournament? Don't. How many times do they look like they're going to win? A, how, how many times did everyone argue that Ohio State a few years ago should not have been in and shouldn't have leapfrogged with a third-string quarterback, and then they won the thing? How many times did I did I listen to Alabama will beat the third-string quarterback at Ohio State by a billion because it's the third-string quarterback? They routed Alabama. They pretty much routed Oregon. And I mean, it's just how do you know? I'm tired of the football is the stupidest sport at Division One level. Well, I think they're going to win because they they look better to me. Well, great, that's absolutely great. I'm glad they look better. My take, and Trey, I'm just going to ask you, and you can go ahead and head into the close after I make this point. A sport that doesn't matter. What do you think is the most irrelevant sport in the landscape right now? Cricket. <laughs> American sport. American sport. Uh, lacrosse. American big four sport. American. Ah. Uh... Got to be Major League Baseball. Got to be Major League Baseball. Yeah. You got to go to. This isn't going to happen this year, but you got to go to seven inning games, or you got to go to a hundred game schedule. And right. I know the hundred game schedule is a difficult ask of owners because that's money on the line and that's money out of their pockets. But something has to change because hundred. You wouldn't go back to like one fifty four or one forty, whatever it is. Two. That's not changing anything. I mean, that's still way too many games. Wait, well, why wait, do nobody, games matter no, then? Nobody's cutting 56 games. Well, well, I just said that, right? Yeah, I said owners aren't going to do it, but something needs to change. And whether it's games being shorter or they're two and a half can, hours. Can they like not have three-hour commercial breaks every half inning? Three-hour commercial breaks every half inning. Yeah, or commercial breaks are 90 seconds. But no, 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 gonna, no, no. They're 90 seconds. They are not 90 seconds. They are 90 seconds. They are not. Just cut the season in you half. Go ahead and count. They're not. Yeah, cut the season in half. Perfect. I like that. You have to stop. With the long droning on. As a, as a Cubs fan who's watched every Cubs game, 90 seconds. they're not. Count. They're not. Count. We can go on MLB.com and make that side wager now. You can count. It's not. You don't know anything, and you're wrong. Uh, well, what a you're shock wrong. Man. I mean, what it's completely right. Sunday night baseball is not 90 seconds either. <laughs> Those are nationally televised games. We're talking the, local markets. The Cubs games are not 90 seconds on. Those are also nationally televised, aren't they? Not anymore. No, they're all regionalized. No, no, they're not regionalized. And also, Just if like it's the break, seconds the or two minutes, who cares? You're saving, what, seven, eight minutes? That's not the problem. you got to cut two innings or you got to cut 62 games. That's nah. the only way to fix up Major League Baseball. Yeah. All right. We have a show tomorrow, apparently. Buccaneers Force Hour. <laughs>